This is Cecina Spa of Star Trek. Uh, we are talking about Seth MacFarlane's uplifting remix of Star Trek, The Orville. Today we are going to be talking about About a Girl. I am Van Velding. I'm Skilltow. In this episode, the crew of The Orville take it upon themselves to convince Bordas, his mate, and the Mocklin judicial system that their hatchling baby should not undergo gender reassignment. This episode has some parallels with the, the TNG episode, uh, Sins of the Father, where you get into the Cleon politics. Um, there's some... We learn a lot about one of the races in the show. Uh, we also have like an older woman being brought into a court uh, to kind of throw everything into array at the last minute. And there's, you know, the short attempt to assassinate Captain Mercer. Wait, is there, t- is there an attempt to kill Mercer? Yeah. When they're taking the shuttle down, it's the... That morning, they set up the live fire course on the shuttle path and did not tell the shuttle about it. Uh, I, I took that as, as severe hazing, but yeah, I can see that as an assassination okay. attempt. Yeah. Well, I mean, you could view most Klingon assassinations as severe hazing, I think. If you're worthy, <laughs> you get through it. All right. Obviously, there are a lot of parallels with The Outcast, which tackles a lot of gender issues, well, as well as the Star Trek Malu can. There's also some parallels with The Measure of a Man, where Data has to prove that he is a person, and they define harm. And there's just a lot of identity issues wrapped up in that. Yeah, and there was a Voyager episode I, ca- I saw called Lineage, where Balan's going to have a baby, and she learns that the baby's going to look fairly Cleon, and then she wants to genetically modify. I think she reprograms the doctor to genetically modify her, her fetus to be less Cleon. And there's a lot of issues of being different and and society's response to that wrapped up in that episode. I think, I think it's one of the good Voyager episodes. Um, and you definitely see a lot of being different and then societal reflections on being different almost discussed in this episode. I just can't seem to get them out. Yeah. That's a good call. I do not remember Voyager very well. Glad you thought of that. Uh, you can pick out a lot more small references in this episode. There's the repulsor beam the asteroid right at the beginning from different TNG episodes. Oh, yeah. There's yeah. a glass ceiling from that's addressed in TOS briefly. And I love that the lawyer's mantle is made of hexagons. That's just a great Star Trek touch. That might have been the ones where they were... Tr- the Mark of Gideon, where they're trying to kidnap Kirk onto like an empty Enterprise. And those guys were like tight with big hexes over it. Sorry, let's not... This is not talk about obscure TOS alien uniform things. Uh, lots of callbacks. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So um, this is our big Bordas episode of, of season one. Yeah, he does not get a lot of play in the season. And for an episode that's theoretically about him, he yeah. is not actually that important to the movement. Well, he's important to the movement of it, but yeah. he's, uh, his part is reduced, I think. He drives the plot, but we don't learn a lot about the guy so much, which is a shame because you always have these flatter characters um, who are maybe a little more emotionally subdued, and it's a disservice to their actors whenever you can't get them into it. And the thing with Bordas isn't that he doesn't have feelings or that Mocklins don't like feelings, although we'll talk about that, but that he just he just tends to be a pretty flat character. So Peter Macon, who, who plays Bordas... Um, you know, he's been in a couple things. He's been acting pretty consistently. Uh, I 
he, he had a recurring role on Shameless, which I don't watch, but I'm sure it's a fine show. And he did a voice of a guy in Wolfenstein. He's done some other video game stuff. He's he's a, a career actor. I'm, he's got experience. This seemed like an opportunity to get him to do a few more emotive things, and they really didn't follow up on that. It's interesting you mentioned the emotive things. Uh, I take his character as being pretty competent and reserved, like Tuvok or Worf, maybe. But yeah. uh, he's trying to act out from under a fair amount of makeup, and I think that might be an intentional character choice for them. He has almost as much makeup as the uh, Discovery Klingons. The only real difference I can tell between them is that the Klingons have a ridge up their head, and he has a, what do you call it, a trough. Trough. I... The thing is, is that, well, part of that is the characterization of the Mocklins. The Mocklins are portrayed here, and this is our best portrayal of them, as portrayed with to- this this level of toxic masculinity where um and that's kind of like the Cleons in Star Trek where the performance of male expectations is taken to such an extreme that it's harmful in this episode they threaten Mercer and they set up a live fire course over the Orville's flight path not not out of a coincidence i mean the shuttle's flight path and it's not that they're incapable of emotion it's that most of the emotions we see them express are anger and disgust I don't know if we've had a lot of like really tender emotions between Bordas and Clyden. No. I read this episode as a transgender allegory. That's what it's about. Calling the Mocklins an all-male race seems scientifically stupid because like the ones that lay the eggs and then, you know, have the mitochondrial DNA are female. Like it's all men are scientifically a way for women to pass half their genes to other women. An all-male race is crazy. Yeah, I wonder if that's not just a... I don't want to call it lazy writing, but a simplification from calling them a race of hermaphrodites. Because, I mean, yeah, then you'd have I, to explain what that is to your apparently grade school audience. <laughs> and, which I think is fair, but I think you can also take it a step further and just say, hey, look, when the Union met the Mocklins... They're like, all right, so so what gender are y'all? And they went to a book of humans, and they're like, the men, we like them. We're all men. And that's that's like their g- racial gender identity. And of course, they don't got wing wings down there, because they lay eggs and shit. The Mocklins themselves self-identify. I could totally see the Mocklins doing that, actually, because we see in this episode they're pretty civilized, but they're also very, I don't want to say simple, they're very straightforward. That's uh, very in line with the very limited characterization we get of them. Right. And, you know, you mentioned that straightforwardness. They, I think they act out beats from villains in this episode with that. They threaten Mercer directly. They put the shuttle in harm's way. They're, they're very adversarial, perhaps unnecessarily adversarial. And that puts Bordas into a a situation where he has to de-escalate. That's amazing to me. Obviously, that's uh, that helps glue the episode together. But I think that is one of the examples of the Orville writing doing something subtle that they actually do pretty well to have him de-escalating constantly. He walks away from a fight with Alara, volunteers to take himself and the baby on the Mocklin ship on the way to the uh, Mocklin homeworld. Right. In in a way, it shows him beating these masculine ideas because he cares about his child so he does walk away from a fight and he does make a compromise to protect his kid and that's an interesting interpretation it could just as easily be an episode about Bordas doing things for a larger goal than his own ego or his own identity as a as a tough guy but it's not really it's 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 kind of about well you and I disagree on what it's about you know 
But we can talk a little more about Bordas before we get into that. Because this is sort of the one Bordas episode of the season. Um, he doesn't he doesn't seem to do much else for this season. I mean, there is one other episode that was in season one. Uh, it was called Primal Urges. I, they filmed it. It was supposed to be episode 12. They got renewed for a second season. Now it was going to be the first episode of season two. And now it's not going to be that anymore. But it's an episode that's in the can, uh, in the parlance. And it does deal with Bordas and Clyden and Topa. And also, I think, masturbating on the holodeck. So, which I guess, I guess that joke was inevitable from the start. I look forward to that episode because I want Bordas to be more of a race and a single issue attached to him. I don't want him to be the guy whose son is transgender. I kind of want him to be his own person. I want, I want to be more than this episode. I would very much look forward to that episode not being about Malloy masturbating on the holodeck. <laughs> yeah, or anyone, I, anyone really. Yeah. yeah. I didn't say anything earlier, but we do disagree about what this episode is about. I, I think you made some fairly heavy intimations about your interpretation of this episode's theme in your synopsis. I think it's, it's a transgender allegory that's poorly handled. Uh, and you think... I think it's about how the uh, Orville crew is too confident in their opinions and that the public discourse can be dominated by well-intentioned allies who don't actually understand the issue. Right, so uh, instead of our usual format where we kind of talk about things, we're going to do like a, a point-counterpoint. My, my take on this is that Star Trek episodes are, are usually about something, and the episode is then built around that something. Sometimes it's a scientific point, sometimes it's, it's a moral take on things. The Orville is vaguely about stuff that the Orville doesn't like, but it's unable to burn away the irrelevancies, as Picard said. They end up generically saying that bad things are bad, like uh, Majority Rule. They say uh, you shouldn't run society by Reddit votes, which obviously you shouldn't run society by Reddit votes. Should the stars should appear? No, you shouldn't lie to people to preserve a social order which will kill everyone. That seems like a bad idea to me, too. You know, in the second episode, command performance. Maybe don't put people into zoos. Maybe it's against zoos in the abstract, but it seems really, really bare bones. So, so we get to about a girl, and it has all of that amazing moral clarity, but with a lot of extra steps. There's transgender allegory is the, is the obvious read on it. Um, is it wrong to give a child a sex change? Is it wrong to impose a gender identity on a child at birth? Is misogyny wrong? Is the social exclusion experienced by trans people a justified social norm against an inherently harmful aberration? Or an unjustified pain inflicted for a harmless variation of the norm? It's the second one, obviously. Right. And just to be clear, there are a lot more issues that just are briefly touched on that the oral does not bother to explore. Right. And I would, I would certainly say that the crew's self-righteousness could be one of those issues it touches on. And I think the writing... Well, I was thinking more circumcision, transgender marriages. Uh, there's a couple other things I didn't note. Right. So there's a lot of things that it could be focusing on, but it, I think it's trying. I think the word that it is trying to say to us is transgender rights. And my take is that the writing of this episode strongly opposed Topa's gender reassignment surgery in that it's deceptive and the variation from the norm is far closer to the norm than the Mocklin's collective delusion of only one female being born every 75 years. The Mocklins are clearly villainous outside of what's necessary to establish their culture and their position in opposition to the crew. They take it a step further, and I think they're villains here. So my understanding of the problem with this episode is that it isn't able to clearly articulate its point while still making jokes. 
So it ends up being uh, a muddled episode about transgender rights. I'd agree that it comes off muddled. I think, though, the problem is that it buries the point too well. As much as we will, I'm sure, criticize the Orville for not being subtle enough later on in the season, I think it's being too subtle with the point. I don't think that the Mocklins are clearly villainous. Uh, enforcing this. We just do not get any history or culture from them. We barely get any biology. We don't know what's driving this push for uh, normativity. There may, in fact, be a biological justification. We flat don't know. The episode doesn't care about that. And I think that tells us that this is not where the focus of the episode is. If we look at what's actually happening in the episode, nobody really changes over the course of it. Uh, Bordas doesn't about face, but that's just what it is. It's an about face. There's no real arc. Mercer has the only arc in this episode. Uh, I mean, the girls end up being on the dumber side of the argument by the end of it. They lose, yeah. Yeah. Uh, I want to call out the Dr. Finn especially as being a hypocrite. Uh, not only for the like basic doctor reasons they give in the episode. She has two designer babies, and we see her regrow a full adult leg later on. So we do not, in fact, know that gender reassignment causes any harm to the baby. Yeah, they, they say in the episode that the surgery's harmless. Right. Well, they, I don't think they give us enough evidence one way or the other to really make a decision on that as an audience. But if we look at Mercer, Mercer's the only person in this episode with an actual arc. He starts out not even listening to Bordas's position, by the middle, when he's having coffee with Grayson, he reconsiders his opinion. He makes that statement about how we need to police ourselves, even if we're sure of our own opinions. Alara tries to push the idea with Bordis that girls can be as strong as guys. But Bordis rejects this because you can't compare across species. That's just nonsense. And then... And the episode fails on that point several times. Yeah. And Grayson continues pushing that point in court. And I think it's important that they have that earlier and then repeat it again, because that's saying that Bordas's allies are picking a stupid argument and they are fully embracing it. They're putting all their weight behind that in the court of public opinion. Mercer, on the other hand, he's waiting from the sidelines. He realizes that that argument is not working, that it's off point, and he goes off to follow up on the arguments Bordas embraced. The guy who's actually involved, he goes off to find a Mocklin with a shiny red nose. And this is a fundamentally different argument from what the girls are making. The girls are basically making a variation within groups exceeds variation between groups, but that it's a great superficial point to make if you have any children watching. But the Rudolph argument is fundamentally different from that. That's it's the argument from Idic, infinite diversity and infinite combinations, where Alara and Grayson are arguing that that a weakness does not exist. Rudolph argues that a thing that seems like a weakness can be put to good use. And this is how one of the ways uh, Orville is different from Star Trek. The crew is not a... they are not paragons, the epitome of Starfleet morality. These are middle-of-the-road people trying to do middle-of-the-road things, and they will fail sometimes. <laughs> their ethics are not the best. They are not the best at expressing their ethics. And I think they are meant to... They are the point of the episode, not the Mocklin. So the point of the episode is, I think, that the 
crew of the Orville are way too confident in their own opinions, and they are missing the point. I, a lot like critics of the Orville. Well, critics of this specific episode. I'm sure I'll find flaws in later episodes. Uh, <laughs> I do also, just as a last-minute thing, want to call out Captain Mercer for uh, handing off the responsibility of representing Bordas in court. That's a very nice touch that we do not see very often in Star Trek, I think. Having just watched the episode of Star Trek The Next Generation, where Worf makes Captain Picard as Chidich whenever Riker's the obvious better choice, I can't I can't dispute that. Yeah. Let's just just spread the spread the camera around, guys. And so with each of us having made our points, do you want to roll into our pitches? Sure. My uh is my week to pitch, and I'm gonna pitch Bortus, Isaac, and Malloy trapped on a planet with AI who are purging their biological makers. Bordas is fine with it because he can eat everything. Isaac is having a great time because this is way more important than his crappy study of biological organisms and their feelings or whatever. Malloy hates it, obviously. Bordas can't be hurt by the aliens. Malloy can be, and they constantly like scan him to determine their sentience, try to kill him, and while their energy weapons may not kill him, like it's uncomfortable. Uh, they have weird effects on them, like maybe you get a priapism joke in there. There's no food either. I feel like I saw this on Futurama. Yeah, it, it is kind of like the Futurama episode. I realized in retrospect, it's like the one where Fry is stuck in the robot insane asylum. The deal is Bordas and Isaac get to have fun and be carefree and like crack jokes or whatever. And Malloy is the one who's taking it seriously, which is an inversion of their roles. Also, three supporting characters who don't usually get a lot of time. And then we can flip the script a little more and have Bordas and Isaac be amazed by some stupid human superpower. Like, maybe in the end, Bordas and Isaac, like the AI are doing something really dangerous, so those two got to take it seriously. Like, Malloy has to find a building full of alcohol and get so shit-faced that the AI don't think he's sentient anymore when they scan him. So he, like, stumbles past them drunk and stops the threat. And I think that's, it's like the bones of a decent episode. That would be an amazing climax. Uh, yeah. The obvious move for me would be to uh, since Malloy spent so much time on the holodeck would be for his talents both as a player of frequent I'm sure apocalyptic as well as you know melee based video games to take his skills in and then also as a programmer of such things to be able to fix this with his programming I don't know how you mesh yeah. that with the uh, drunken resolution I'm sure that uh, McFarlane can make that work it, it's called the Balmer Peak the, the Balmer Peak is the idea that after you have a specific amount of alcohol to drink, you're a much better coder. I can believe that. I've seen that with writing and other things. <laughs> yeah. I'd also like to see uh, Lamar maybe in place of Isaac. We sort of get a clue that Malloy and Lamar have this Chekhov-Sulu buddy relationship, but yeah. we don't see it on screen very often. Well, we probably see as much of it as the TOS had of Sulu and Chekhov, but yeah. yeah, That's absolutely fair. <laughs> but But we want to see it more. All right, uh, we've been talking for a long time. My mouth is dry. See you all next week.